0: Hey Is Melissa. It,
1: hey, are you playing "Free Fallen by Tom Penny? I am. Sounds awesome.
0: Wow, that's pretty impressive that you know that song based on my guitar playing. <laughs> so yeah, I was just reading some things about the election of eighteen twenty four, and I was thinking about how the American people were probably thinking they were free falling as this election was happening. You know huh. much about it?
1: About the election of eighteen twenty four? Yeah. No, no, you don't. I don't know. All right. Yeah.
0: Well, let me tell you a little bit about it. Awesome. Well, I think when you're dealing with the election of 1824, there's two main questions you have to ask yourself. Number one, was this election a turning point in American political history? And why is uh, the election called the Corrupt Bargain? Interesting title, yeah. Well,
1: so, the, so like the first question you said, is it a turning point? And, you know, I'm kind of guessing you might tell me that it's a turning point, but I'll have to, but I, I don't know anything about it. So if it is a turning point, it'll, it'll be good to learn about it. Yeah. Cause it's not like it comes to mind for the average non historian yeah. like me off the street.
0: Yeah. It's kind of, we're going almost on 200 years. So yeah. let me give you a little bit of the foundation yeah. of it, because I think that will help understand why it's called that and why I do believe it is a turning point. So there's some political trends that are going on during this period of time. First of all, Those people that are secretary of the state uh, often almost exclusively go on to be president. So under Thomas Jefferson, he had a secretary of state called named James Madison. James Madison Mm -hmm. then became president of the United States. James Madison had a secretary of state called James Monroe. James Monroe Mm -hmm. then was president of the United States. So it seems like that was a standard kind of like what we have to do is usually the vice presidency may be that person. At that time, it was, again, almost exclusively the secretary of state. Mm. So that was one thing. Two is unlike our own uh, political system right now, we don't really have or they did not really have a political party. Okay, they had the the Federalist Party at one time, uh, but that kind of died out with the uh, War of 1812 after that everybody's the same party which is the democratic republicans That's really
1: hard to think about yeah. they're not being political parties
0: yeah and they largely agreed on many of the topics and issues of the day mm. uh the other nice thing or neat thing about this uh, election is that more people could vote uh they re- took away the restrictions of owning property at this time so hmm. this is the first election that we actually see the popular vote so uh, pretty cool oh yeah And then on top of that, you have a new amendment that was passed in 1804 uh, called the 12th Amendment. Uh, They noticed that there was some problems with the elections, especially in 1796 and 1800, uh, where they had ties um, between the candidates. So they wanted to fix that. So they passed the 12th Amendment. And basically, the 12th Amendment refined how the Electoral College worked to uh, appoint president and vice president. Um, So if, uh, specifically, if the 12th Amendment said if there was nobody that got a majority in an election, uh, they would then take the top three candidates and bring that to the House of Representatives, and then the House of Representatives would decide who Um, was that person. Uh, So that happens in this election, of course. So you've got to know those couple things um, before you we kind of dive into the characters that are going to be involved.
1: Okay. Interesting. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Great. So we had actually six candidates running. So I know that that the Republicans just last election had like 19. So six (laughs) might not seem like anything, but it was a big deal at that time to have that many. Two of them dropped out pretty quickly. One of them was John C. Calhoun, and he decided to put his sights on the vice presidency, which he did manage to uh, obtain. Uh, but then there was still four candidates that were all running. Um, most historians see them as kind of hotheads. They didn't have a lot of patience uh, <laughs> and were very opinionative. Surprise, surprise for <laughs> politicians, right? <laughs> So let's take you through some of the uh, like uh, okay. the four the t- the, the okay. four hotheads I'll call them oh, okay.
1: Four hotheads.
0: Okay. So you've got Henry Clay and Henry Clay's uh, Speaker of the House um, at the time, and he's from Kentucky. He believed in a really strong national government uh, and an, econ- an economic system based around this what he called an American system, which had uh, high public land prices, strong. Uh, banking system, internal improvements, which would be canals and roads, tariffs, and really, in total, he wanted things built in the USA. So Mm. another thing that's kind of similar today is we're trying to bring things back. He wanted us to buy less products from European powers and be freestanding. He did not like one of the other candidates that we'll get to, and that is Andrew Jackson. And he said about Jackson that I can't believe that killing 2,500 Englishmen at new orleans which happened during the war of 1812 qualifies for various difficult and complicated duties of the magistrate basically saying
1: Ooh, burn. yeah <laughs>
0: right he's saying he's not qualified to be president Ooh, based because. on just killing a bunch of people yeah, right so yeah. he was a general in the war do generals make good leaders he's saying that no, seriously
1: sounds like some of the political the um like the political ads they'll say almost that exact they won't say leading the political magistrate, but it's sort of like they did this thing and that doesn't, it, that's very interesting. Yeah. yeah.
0: So uh, a second character in all this is a guy named William Crawford and Crawford is from Virginia. And during the Monroe presidency, he held the position of secretary of war and secretary of the treasury. Uh, unfortunately for him, he had a stroke in uh, during the year of eighteen twenty four, and kind of left him incapacitated to really campaign. They didn't really campaign at the time, uh, but he had, you know, was very limited in what he was going to say and do. Um, so he's our second person that will be running for that position. Uh, the two big hitters here are John Quincy Adams, and John Quincy Adams is the son of John Adams. Uh, who was one of the founding fathers of okay. the country? Yeah. And he's extremely qualified. He's probably the most qualified person we've ever had run for office.
1: Really? Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah.
0: At age 14, he went with his dad to France and he helped, uh, he kind of networked with people. Uh, and his dad taught him a lot about being a politician and negotiating with different countries. And he stayed over there and became minister of uh, Russia for a while. Uh, he knew six different languages, uh, so he was negotiate- He was a great negotiator, and he did some really important things for our own country. That was the Treaty of Ghent, which closed out the War of 1812. He helped purchase the state of Florida from Spain, and uh, he was really the writer of the Monroe Doctrine, which basically told European powers that the Americans were hands-off, don't get involved anymore. So he was a great negotiator had a lot of political skills on top of all of that. He was the Secretary of State under James Monroe, so he was the kind of anointed yeah. one yeah. to go on and win the election because that's what had happened in the past. Mm-hmm. Okay. Other interesting things about him was that his uh, wife uh, was the first lady that was not born in the United States and until recently with Melania Trump. Uh, that was, that's, she's the second person in that. Oh
1: my gosh, really?
0: Yeah.
1: You know, I didn't even think about that. Only two first ladies.
0: That were foreign born. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he liked to swim in the Potomac. Uh, Platomic is a river that's right next to the Washington DC. Sometimes he swam without any clothes. So. So, and he could swim quite a while. He's, he would put in his diary that sometimes he ran, he swam. Well, he tried to swim every day for at least an hour. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's so.
1: a long time to swim. Yeah. That is a long time. And he's It'll, not a
0: young guy at this time no. either. So
1: In an hour, he probably swam like well over a mile. That's a yeah. long way to swim.
0: So he's a very disciplined guy as <laughs> yes. well. So. Oh, my goodness. And I think one of the more odd things about him was that uh, – When Lafayette came back from France, uh, he actually brought uh, an alligator to uh, John Quincy Adams and gave that to him as a gift. And John Quincy Adams actually left it in the tub in the White House. So some people were really freaked out by his pet alligator. That wasn't his idea. That was Lafayette, Marcus de Lafayette. So... He also happened to be the first president that was ever photographed. I would love
1: to have been there, like at the moment, when Lafayette yeah, just sure, like, gave this alligator.
0: Yeah, I don't know where he got that. I'll have to do a little bit more research on that one. But oh. yeah, I'm sure he pet the alligator all the time. So. <laughs> and then the last of those uh, four candidates and the other heavy hitter in all of this was a guy named Andrew Jackson. He was from Tennessee, and he became really popular based on the war effort of 1812. Uh, he was a general in the war, and the Battle of New Orleans was the major turning point in that war, uh, where he defeated the British. Uh, oddly enough, that battle was after the war it ended, but because they didn't have any communication back and forth, oh, they didn't actually know that, so they fought the battle oh, anyhow. No. So, yeah. <laughs> So Andrew Jackson's a war hero, and he runs on that war hero platform. He is a senator, but he's only a senator for a couple years before he actually uh, runs for presidency. But he's running as a war hero and all that. Uh, His wife did tell him not to get involved in this. She said, I knew from the start how wrong it was, but my advice would be nothing, she said. So Jackson didn't listen to her. Uh, Jackson was also uh, very ill-tempered. If you slandered him or said negative things about him, he would often, uh, duel with you, which is, you know, you get a shot and he gets a shot at you. Uh, he participated in at least five duels that we know of. And one of them, one of his competitors or his opponents was actually killed by him in a duel. Um, he went to his grave having a bullet inside him as well. So, yeah. So, uh, a pretty interesting character and a person that you probably wouldn't want to mess with. So that's kind of the that foundation. Is quite the ballot. Yeah. <laughs> Got four very interesting yes. people here. Uh, and if you look at the election results, they're pretty telling. So if you look at a map of the United States in 1824 on the Electoral College, you'll see that uh, Jackson looks like he wins both the Electoral College mm. at 38% and the popular vote at 43%. Uh, John Quincy Adams comes in second, but a pretty distant second at 32% wow. in Electoral College and uh, 31% in the popular vote.
1: And that's against kind of the common, because Adams was Secretary of State, it was sort of, was it kind of a shock, do you think, at the time that Jackson did so overwhelmingly in the polls
0: Yeah, well, I think the country was changing at the time. And the way they were changing was that we were adding Western states. And Andrew Jackson kind of was that representation of adding those states like Tennessee, Illinois, Mm. Indiana. So as they migrated out West, he was kind of their hero to all of this. So So you can
1: really see that then, that it wasn't the person that in the past was like, oh, well, this person just sort of will become president. Very interesting.
0: So mm. it's a changing of the guard yeah. you know, that we have.
1: Oh my gosh! Yeah, uh,
0: from people that are established. You know, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, James Monroe, and John Quincy Adams all came from established families that were pretty well off. Andrew Jackson is one of those people that is truly a self-made man, and so he re- kind of represents the common people. And it just happens to be this election where more people can vote, more of the common um, people can vote. That's right, so that's right. You know, uh, nonetheless. Even with him winning both of those, the Electoral College and the popular vote, he did not get the magic number, which he needed to have was 131 votes. So the 12th Amendment says, if you don't get the majority, it gets thrown into the House of Representatives, which we talked about. So he didn't get 131. He got 99. But he clearly was the winner in all of that. So now the votes were going to go or the election was going to be decided on the uh, House of Representatives. They picked the top three, and the top three were Jackson, John Quincy Adams, and William Crawford. Henry Clay was the odd man out. He did not get in that. But Henry Clay was also the Speaker of the House at the time. So he was going to have a lot of influence on who was going to decide who was going to be in the presidency or who was going to win this thing. So he does that, and with that, we have a new president. And it's not Andrew Jackson like you would think it would be. It's John Quincy Adams. House of Representatives votes they give 54% of the votes to John Quincy Adams and only 29% to um, Andrew Jackson and 17 to William Crawford and when you look at the states John Quincy Adams picked up Illinois, Kentucky, Ohio and Missouri mm. basically those are the states that went for Henry Clay uh, Jackson lost North Carolina and Louisiana and Crawford well he comes up third way behind so on the first ballot, the House of Representatives decides it's John Quincy Adams, which seems like a really good choice in many ways because of his experience level yeah. and because of the tradition uh, of you know how he won and stuff like that. So uh, one of the things that I did find that was kind of interesting is that there was a senator before he voted uh, for John Quincy Adams he meditated on his decision. And so he kind of prayed, you know, what should I do? And when he opened up his eyes, he saw a ballot on the ground. And that ballot had John Quincy Adams' name on. So he felt like <laughs> God was telling him to pick John Quincy Adams. Uh, so it wasn't the only reason John Quincy Adams won, but it was one of those deciding factors. So uh, pretty oh pretty gosh. interesting yes. situation there. Okay. In the end, all of this leads up to that Andrew Jackson's mad that he didn't win, but the worst of this is yet to come and the worst of this is that John Quincy Adams decides to appoint Henry Clay as his Secretary of State. So remember the Secretary of State oh. usually wins they're like the next president
1: right and
0: Henry Clay was the Speaker of the House and oh, right. all of this yeah so. Jackson. So how come
1: he gets all the jobs and Jackson doesn't get anything?
0: Right. Well, uh, (laughs) I will say that uh, John Quincy Adams did try to pull in um, Andrew Jackson into the cabinet, but he was reluctant to do that. So um, but that wasn't really played up. This was and Jackson used this as leverage. Uh, Jackson was known as an old hickory and he used his hickory stick mightily on both john quincy adams and henry clay so Mm. he called this he labeled this election the corrupt bargain because he said well john quincy adams said you scratch my back i scratch your back henry clay i will point you in this position really powerful position if you vote for me so this looks Mm. on the face of it there isn't much evidence to support that he did it for that reason but you know Uh, it doesn't really matter that the idea is out there already, and he's going to use it. He also goes directly at Henry Clay, and he calls him the Judas of the West, meaning that he's the person that betrayed, you know, like Judas betrayed Jesus, that Henry Clay uh, betrayed the country in general. So it's a very contentious thing. And shortly after that, um, the results are pretty powerful. So, you know, James Monroe had this uh, era they call, historians call, the era of good feeling. And it's, not, it's a, not completely accurate because not everybody was doing better, but it was a pretty good era. So that era closes off. That's done. All right. Uh, Jackson immediately announces, well, in October of 1825, just about seven months after the elections completed in the House, that he's running for president
1: <laughs> in the next
0: election. Uh, He also has a lot of influence over a lot of people in Congress. So Congress goes into stall mode, and they don't do anything with John Quincy Adams' agenda. Nothing gets passed. Uh, It's just a complete standstill at the time. Uh, It's also the beginning of political parties. Uh, Jackson will turn instead of to the Democratic Republican Party, he'll just shorten that to the Democrats, which is what we know as of today. And yeah, so and then we start to get a new party, which is first the Whigs. We won't get to the Republicans until the 1850s with Abraham Lincoln. But we do see the seeds that are are sown for um, for political parties there. Okay. Uh Wrapping everything up, maybe like is an, like, what happens next after yeah. all of this? So, why is this a turning point? Well, I kind of gave you get the results of all of that, but what happens to these characters? Yeah, the kind of like characters? at the
1: end of the movie when they show the little, yeah. cra- like, he went on to do this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, yeah. So,
0: a nice picture of John Quincy Adams. Well, he lost the 1828 election to Andrew Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Probably not all that surprising. Yeah. Uh, but he did go on to be in the House of Representatives. So he's the first and only president that's actually gone back to Congress after he left the presidency. He did the a lot of good things. first and only. Yeah. I
1: suppose we would yeah. probably, we Could really you, don't see that. Yeah, you couldn't imagine like, oh, and then there's, yeah.
0: You you have all this power and then you go back into a position yeah, that has yeah. very limited power. You're
1: right when you think about that. That would be unusual.
0: In 1848, unfortunately, John Quincy Adams at age 80, so he wasn't a young guy, but he suffered a stroke on the floor of the Congress, and he died only two days later after mm-hmm. that. Uh, Henry Clay, well, he, he keeps on trying. i got to give him credit for that. So he's going to run four more times, but each time he runs for presidency, he loses. Uh, after he died in 1852, he will be the first person to the Lion State at the Capitol Rotunda. Uh, which is pretty interesting. Um, And then you've got Crawford. Crawford kind of evaporates pretty quickly. He goes back to Virginia first and then moves down to Georgia, where he becomes a judge, and he serves out there, and he dies in 1834. And Jackson seems to be the clear winner because he'll actually have a major impact on American political history, Uh, a lot of it not so good. Uh, But he might win two elections, and he might influence the political party, Uh, But his wife does die before he even gets in the office, which is a pretty sad moment for him because she was labeled as uh, really taken uh, to task in the second election or the election of 1828. So so there you have it. I don't know if that was interesting, but... It was.
1: It was fascinating. There was so much going on and um, so much that you know, like you said, Jackson had a lot of influence during his, you know, his time in the political arena on American politics. This was really kind of where he first, like, what a beginning then to yeah. have this corrupt bargain election and that, but then, oh my God, it's, it's really interesting Just and it's interesting to see who becomes major players and who, and who don't. Like some, you started with the candidates and People went their different ways, and
0: yeah, know. I think I think a lot of Americans probably felt like they were free falling. So
1: yeah, you know? yes, oh, oh yes, absolutely. No, <laughs> Just it's like all making time. sense. It's all making sense now.
0: Yeah, I don't know if Tom Petty knew that, but
1: now every time I hear "Free Falling," I'll yeah. think about I'll think about this. The I'll think corrupt. about Jackson and the corrupt bargain. Yeah, and the things that he went through and did, and I'll think about. John Quincy Adams, and probably about the alligator. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, the alligator is hard to top. <laughs> it think, is
1: hard so. to top.
0: <laughs> Maybe we should get one for Harper College. Here. That's
1: a good idea.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks. thanks for stopping by.
1: Oh my gosh, thanks for the story. That was really interesting. Great. So, yeah. All right, I'll leave you back to the the Tom Petty and the Free fallen. All right. All right. Got to practice. Yep. Take care, Robert. Thanks, Melissa. Yep. Bye.